Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is Corey Willis with PBI, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. Today we're going to be chatting with Matt Sancher from Sancher Performance, and he was on the podcast not too long ago and telling us about his billet input shaft for the 47 and 48RE trucks and how they have just they've taken that transmission platform to a new level by eliminating you know the the shafts breaking so we wanted to catch up with him on that see how things have been going and then also we had seen on his instagram that he has a bmw 335d and it's approaching about a thousand horsepower so we wanted to ask him about bmw diesels that car the platform how well it is in stock form and then what it you know can be done in the aftermarket how how uh, easy it can be to you know pick up some extra power and just have fun with the car. So really excited to be able to chat with him about that. Before we get to the podcast, though, we want to encourage you guys, if you're listening to us on any of the podcast apps out there, make sure you head on over to YouTube and search the Diesel Podcast and subscribe to us there. We've got a lot of extra information with videos, installs, how-tos, things like that that our guests have that we can't necessarily post on a, a podcast because there's video that goes along with it. And there's also a lot of really great conversation that happens in the comment sections, whether that's, you know, fellow en- enthusiasts or people that are, you know, they had a similar issue with their truck and how they went about figuring it out and getting the truck back up and running. So it's a great place to be able to see discussion, other enthusiasts. And if you have any show suggestions, you can leave them right on our YouTube videos as well. We, we are always looking at them and get a lot of great ideas from you guys there. All right, let's get to the podcast with Matt and learning more about BMW diesels. Matt, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast. I'm excited to be able to catch up with you. Our first episode we did about your input shaft has been really, it's got a lot of reach and I keep seeing that input shaft all over the race world. So looking forward to chatting with you today. Yeah, certainly. I uh, appreciate you having me back on. It's definitely good talking to you again and look forward to going over a few things with you. Yeah, I wanted to start with the, the 4748RE input shaft and ask you how that's been since, gosh, I think you were on maybe less than a year ago, but it, it's been a little bit. And, you know, see what you've been working on with that and and uh, how everything's been going. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's coming up coming up on two years now since we've uh, since we had that uh, 37-spline solid input shaft released, and we really couldn't ask for a whole lot more, honestly. I mean, the results have been really really good haven't had a single broken shaft ever i mean there's hundreds of extremely abusive trucks out there across the country beating beating on them day in and day out and to not have a a single single broken shaft i mean that's that's pretty incredible i mean i figured honestly that at some point there'd be some sort of out of my control uh catastrophic failure (laughs) took out something but i mean still going going strong two years later with absolutely zero broken shafts so that's pretty awesome 
I mean, all in all for a, a new product release, especially one that's substantially different than the than the OEM configuration. Um, I mean, we've just been really, really happy with the results and only made a handful of little minor, really minor revisions. Um, and yeah, really couldn't ask for a whole lot more with it. We're really happy. It's been really cool to see the rest of the transmission industry from, you know, the converter companies, you know, just embrace it and how many options people have. And I think you'd mentioned that on the last podcast we did is the tremendous reception you had out there to these companies being able to accommodate this different design and how they've done it. And it seems like every day when I'm on Instagram and I see whether it's like a UCC truck or DPC or anything like that, if they've got a 47 or a 48, they've got your input shaft in it. Yeah. Yeah. We've certainly had a, a ton of support uh, from the converted manufacturers. They've been extremely, extremely helpful. I mean, that's uh, definitely, I mean, without, without converters to support it, it it'd be, uh, be tough to, to get them out there and, and have, uh, have options for guys to, to run. So we've been really, uh, really lucky to have, have everybody come on board and, and support it and build build converters for us because that's that's been a major major uh, it was a major hurdle to to overcome and and definitely glad that glad that they decided to go that way. <laughs> I know for for our listeners on YouTube that are going to see your your podcast cover, we've got a BMW on there, and and we were chatting the other day. You know, I was talking to you. And I think a lot of diesel enthusiasts have this moment or time as well where you know, we've got the truck, it, it's where we want it to be. And maybe we're looking for a second or a third vehicle or something like that. And we don't want to give up not having a diesel. And you were telling me about your BMW diesel and people who are diesel enthusiasts are going to know and have seen your dyno graphs and things like that. But I wanted to ask you just like right at the beginning, if nobody's even familiar with the kind of, you know, performance potential that they have about these 335Ds. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, I, I've also been a diesel enthusiast for the past 15 years or so. And obviously I've kind of focused primarily on the, the Cummins truck side of things. Um, but as far as, uh, as far as the, the BMWs go, um, about, about four years ago, I got a hold of the first one and since then have really taken a liking to them. Uh, maybe even more so than the Cummins. That depends on the day. <laughs> They're e- extremely, extremely capable. Um, little three-liter inline-six aluminum block motors. That uh, there, there's really nothing, nothing else out there like them. Um, I mean, the, I mean, by by far my my favorite uh, platform is the the E90 uh, 335D sedan that you'd uh, you'd mentioned. Um, I mean, they still have them available in the uh, all-wheel drive X5 SUVs, um, but they're they're larger, heavier. Uh, they weigh I think they weigh uh, 1,400 around 1,400 pounds more. So you're not going to have same same power to weight ratio as you do with these uh, with the the sedans. So they're uh, they're definitely they're definitely very unique. I mean, it's really the only diesel car available in the U.S with a, a huge aftermarket performance potential uh, when set up correctly. I mean, the, the E90 sedan chassis itself is a, a pretty well-proven chassis that 
can be set up easily for just about any sort of racing you want to do. I mean, road course, autocross, drag racing. I mean, you can you can do all of it pretty well. And daily drive the car and you're comfortable. I mean, it's a it's a really solid, well handling chassis. It's a rear wheel drive, um, so it's a you basically get a a good handling rear wheel drive car. The three liter inline six common rail diesel engine. Um, it's like a little three liter Cummins with a lightweight aluminum block. I mean, there's not a whole lot to not like about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know when, when you were you were telling me about it, I was like, oh, c- cool. So what what you know what years do I got to look at? And there's only three years that it's been available and I think it's had a limited amount were imported. So it's not like they're everywhere. So you do have to kind of take some time and be patient and, and try to find one. Yeah. So there's the, it's basically 2009, 10, 11, um, are the, the three years that they had the us USA or North American spec, um, 335D. And then for 2009, 10, 11, and 12, um, there was, they also had the X5 SUV. So they had a, a few extra years that you can get the all-wheel drive SUV. Um, and they they didn't make them, they still had the, that same engine in the 2013s also, but um, I'd probably try to stick with the 09 through 12 for the SUVs and the 09 through 11 for the, um, for the sedan. Um, there's some, some, ECM differences with the uh, the 2013 on the uh, on the SUVs, so I kind of try to hold off on them. They're a little a little different, so it's a kind of an oddball in between year before they changed over to the um, the N57, as in Nancy 57, uh, which is the newer the newer um, generation uh, six cylinder that comes in like the I don't know, the 2014 and up SUVs. Um, where on the 2014 up sedans, it was a four cylinder. Um, so you didn't really, you didn't have the option in the newer platform to get a six cylinder in the lightweight sedan. So um, it's, uh, you are kind of, you are limited to the, to the years, unfortunately. And there, there wasn't really a ton of them made, but there's, there's enough of them out there. You can find them. So. One of the things that grabbed my attention with it was they look, just the styling, it pulls in a lot of people. It just, it's classic, it's sleek, it looks, it looks good, you know, and especially, you know, if we're thinking of a, of a sedan, it's like, you know, BMW is one of the first, so a lot of people think of, but then it was, I think a dinograph you posted, and then after that it was some engine pictures, and I didn't know, have any, I didn't have any idea the kind of power you could make with these things. And I wanted to ask you about that particular part with your car is what kind of modifications are available? What, what things are you doing to be able to help that market and what kind of power ranges, you know, are these engines capable of? Well, so uh, there really hasn't there, we haven't had any sort of internal internal failures and we've really, really started pushing the limits um, on these, on these little three liters over the past, past year or so we've really made some leap, leaps and bounds uh improvements um as far as the i mean so take a step back there's there's been decent tuning and you're basically get rid of all the emissions uh equipment do your do your deletes 
get a tune, your intake, exhaust, all your basics. That stuff that's that's been around for for quite a while. Um, and then, but everyone seemed to be, I don't know, kind of stuck in that sub 500 horsepower range. Um, I mean, you could you can get over 400 horsepower with a bunch of methanol, water methanol, and different things, and which wouldn't recommend um, with the, the methanol. But um, in the past year or so, um, the tuning has definitely improved dramatically. Um, you can, even with just your basic intake, exhaust, tune, um, stock turbos, stock stock fuel system, everything, you can you can still make over, over 400 horsepower pretty, really, really reliably. Um, and then taking the next step further, um, really got to address the, the fuel the fuel system. I mean, so they've got high pressure common rail system like the like all the trucks. Um, so we've got a CP a single CP3 to begin with, and we've got we've built a dual CP3 setup, um, and SNS is working. We've been working with SNS uh, to supply 100% over injectors for them, and that setup has worked extremely well together. Um, that with just the fuel system and a good size shot of nitrous uh, and stock with the stock turbos, when we made uh, around 700 horsepower and cracked a thousand foot over a thousand foot pounds of uh, of torque and so we went we went 106 mile an hour in the eighth so far the full full weight full weight car which right right in line with uh, average 700 horsepower range um, so that's been stock stock internals stock everything stock bottom end and that was completely stock turbos as well it's just a good fuel system um, and relying on nitrous with the with the stock turbos. So now we're taking the next step further, trying to make that power without nitrous. And so we've been building a uh, triple turbo setup for adding a third turbo uh, in compound with the factory um, atmospheric turbo. They're they are they're fact they're twin turbo to begin with. Well, they're they're like a a bi turbo configuration. Um, and so there's a small turbo, both both exhaust housings. Uh, coming off of the exhaust manifold, uh, bypass the house in the hot and cold side, and we're basically running the additional third turbo in compound with the larger factory turbo, um, and we've made almost the same power we were making with a ton of nitrous without any nitrous, and that was with no no external wastegate of any sort. Um, which is what we've been working on recently, uh, which is really starting to unlock the, uh, I think the the key to success with these things. I think we're really making making some good improvement and on our way to cracking that thousand horsepower mark. <laughs> so, and where do they start out with as far as factory horsepower and torque ratings? Own stock, they are in the. They're under under 300 horsepower in the uh, 275 range, um, and uh, a little over 400 something foot pounds of torque. So I mean they're making a lot more power than than factory, yeah. <laughs> and they're holding up. They're holding up 
really well. I mean, in comparison, uh, I mean, they're holding up. They're holding up better than 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 the commons matters. I mean, for as much power as they're making, um, I mean, we'd start. To, we'd be having rod failures and and other internal failures at this point with uh, with the commons. So it's it's been extremely. We've been really happy with what we've been able to, how far we've been able to push them so far. And I would assume at some point we will have some sort of internal failure. We need some, need to, uh, like a set of rods for them. And I mean, I, I think that'll, that'll add another, another layer of safety to the, to the equation. But until, until we have a set fail and keep pushing, keep pushing it. So that's what say. Not, don't fix what ain't broke. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's something that's so, so interesting because you can, I mean, even at 275 and a little, little over 400 foot pounds of torque for a four door sedan, that's not bad when you look around, you know, what else is out there. But then when you think of a tune and you're hitting 400 horsepower and then with some fuel system upgrades and you're now getting to 700 and then what you're working on now, it's, it's almost like those old days of, you know, in the truck, the diesel truck world where it was, you get a truck, you put, you know, these things on it, and now you take it from 245 horsepower or 325 to now you're making 800 or 900. But you still have, you know, at least so far, you know, you're not digging into an engine build and a transmission build and all these other things where, you know, where the car was at about 700 horse. And it's just, it reminds me of the early days of, of diesel truck modifications and and that's what pulled me in and got me asking questions. And I see there's other people, you know, in the industry that have these cars that are doing stuff and what you're doing with them. And it's like, I need to pay attention to these a little bit. And they're not that expensive, you know, when you have to find one out there that doesn't have a ton of miles and, and, you know, something that wasn't, it wasn't used as a work truck, you know, it was probably yep. a commuter vehicle or something. So it's yeah, just, I a, mean, the, the price of them's coming down a lot. I mean, they were, I mean, they were, Fifty fifty five thousand dollar cars to begin with. I mean, now you can get them in the eight to twelve thousand dollar range, depending on depending on options and condition and mileage. I mean, realistically, like if if you wanted to have a a daily driver, a weekend weekend track car, I mean, you could go you could get one have well under fifteen thousand dollars in it and go race like seven seventy index at one of the local diesel events. Um, and then what we plan on doing this year is running, uh, run 670 index. Um, I mean, you're, you have to put, you have to put some more money into the car. I mean, it, everything's not, not cheap to go fast, but it's, it's the next step. There's a, it's still a lot cheaper to build. It would still be a lot cheaper to build a 670 index car through 35 D than, a 670 index truck by far um and you don't have to have a cage and you can still run 670 index so or a roll bar so that's kind of cool because there's a little loophole in the uh nhrda or nhra uh rule book that allows us to being that's a production car newer than 08 i think um still retains all the factory safety equipment and airbags and seatbelts and you're good to go so 
it's uh it's definitely a, I think I think we'll see more and more of them at the diesel truck events um in the coming years so be pretty cool I'm excited about it well, once I started looking around and chatting with some people I didn't realize how they'd kind of caught on I was chatting with the editor at Diesel World magazine and he's like yeah I, I have one and I love it <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge enthusiast of it and there's some other guys that have them and so it's almost like a hidden gem and that's why I really wanted to do an episode chatting about it because I'm completely I have very little knowledge if any on it <laughs> and I don't know how many listeners out there we have that you know, may have seen them but just didn't know what they could do and it's it's fun especially for you know like the initial investment the price of the vehicle and then what's coming up for them and gosh like who knows a year from now what you're going to have out what you know some new failure points maybe with the engine or something like that that you guys are going to have solutions for that it's going to be a really fun platform Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yep. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think the got a ton of potential, and we're just, we'll just keep keep progressing along. I mean, we're making huge improvements really quick in comparison to prior years, where it seemed like the uh, performance market for these things kind of got to a stagnant point and really wasn't really wasn't improving much. Um, so we're definitely happy to get things get things moving again and. Um, I think that uh, I think there's going to unfortunately probably get more and more difficult to find um, in good condition, but that's uh, that's the nature of the beast. More as more people more people come across them, they're gonna I don't know definitely get get a little a little difficult to find. I mean, they're they're already kind of at that at that point to find. Uh, find ones that are in your area. I mean, you can, you can almost always travel a little bit and, and get a hold of one though. So they're not, they're not outrageously difficult to find for that way. This, this kind of leads into you know, yesterday on Instagram, we posted up that you were going to be on and what we're going to be chatting about. And it got some questions from some followers that we have. And one of the ones that we had was just that. And he, he said, what should I look for in buying a used one? So what are some tips you would give somebody that, you know, jumps on a website and is, you know, looking for 335Ds? Oh, well, so, I mean, there's a, there's a handful of different uh, packages you can get. There's basically the standard base model, you got sport package, and then an M sport package. Um, it's basically that the sport and the M sport package have some, uh, some, de- some decent improvements. I mean, you got nicer, nicer seats, steering wheel, Nicer suspension, little uh, lower suspension, um, nicer tires and wheels, a handful of cosmetic uh, differences, different bumpers, and um, so I mean, there's they definitely they definitely look better. It's a it's it's worth to it's probably worth it to try to find something with a sport package, or if you can find one with the M Sport package, even better. Um, it's they're a lot harder to find. Um, I've 
managed to stumble across two of them so far, but uh, picked both of those up and added them to the collection. Um, but they're if you if you can't find one that's got a sport package or an M sport package, it, I mean the base model ones are still fine as far as the drivetrain and and powertrains. It's all it's all the same. There's motor and transmission the same. Um, there's no differences there. So I mean, it's not stuff. It's it's stuff that you can if you really want any of the specific upgrades, you can you can get the stuff individually. So you really don't have to worry too too much about about that. I'm just trying to find one that's overall in, in decent and in good condition. Uh, it seems like it's been taken care of. Um, depending on, it's getting to the point now that there's enough of, there's probably quite a few of them that have had uh, either some sort of emissions issues at some point and had that stuff removed, uh, which would be ideal to find. Find ones like that. It's already had all your emissions uh deletes and whatnot um particularly the carbon blasting i mean that's that's kind of a it's a bit of a nuisance um but like i said there's quite a few of them that have probably been done already um they just do like a a walnut shell media blast on the intake ports to uh clean up all the carbon buildup from the egr soot and uh crankcase vent uh mist the oil mist it definitely the awful combination um kind of plagued these things with uh, plugged up intake ports over the years. Um, so if you can find one that's already been taken care of, I mean, a lot of them were done under warranty at the dealership. I mean, that's that like that walnut blasting procedure. I mean, that's done in the car with, with the head and everything on. Um, it's, I mean, it's, I don't know, probably a day's worth of work realistically. Um, so it's, it is what it is. If you do it once, you never have to worry about it again as long as all the emission stuff is gone. As far as mileage, like how much would be too much mileage, in your opinion, for a used one that someone may see out there? It'd be. I mean, in my opinion, I'd, I'd, if I'm going to keep one for a long time, I'd like to find one with 100,000 miles or, or so. But realistically, I've seen ones with well over 200,000 miles and 300,000 miles that they're running like a Cummins. I mean, it, so if you find one with a really high highway miles, it, I wouldn't be scared of it. I mean, they're you can get it as long as the as long as the price is right for it. I I would definitely wouldn't shy away from it. I mean, I think that uh, you got to pay what it's worth for it, and I mean, it, they're they're really they're good, reliable cars honestly i mean they're kind of hard to hard to get wrong with them um and seems like a lot of in comparison to like say like a an m3 or something they're going to get beat on a lot more than just i mean the typical person that was going to buy that car from the beginning and they're going to buy it to drive it and beat on it um where I think a lot of the 335Ds were bought more as commuter cars, um, like just the comfortable daily driver, and they weren't really beat on uh, from from the get-go. So they're they're in a lot of them are in pretty good shape to begin with, um, in comparison to like say like a an M3 or something that 
has been thoroughly abused since day one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost, I think, you know, just from the diesel truck side, is that something, you know, when we're looking at a, at a used vehicle, we're kind of accustomed to that. Like, you know, what, um, what's been done to it, how was it used, that sort of stuff. And it's, it's almost like with this, you know, there is no, in general, it's not like a truck where it's being used to haul things and tow a lot and all that sort of stuff. It's just a completely different, almost demographic that would buy this, this platform. And so it's, you know, when you get one, it's like, it's just so different. And just the ones I've seen browsing around, I'm like, this one's got 82,000 miles. It looks like it was parked in a garage its whole life. And wow, this is different than looking at, you know, a 10 year old truck. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You'll, you'll find honestly the ones that were babied the most and driven back and forth to the grocery store going 35 miles an hour. They have the most issues from a carbon buildup standpoint. Um, and once you get that addressed, I mean, you know, the rest of the car was pretty, had a pretty mild, uh, previous life before you got a hold of it. So everything should be, uh, fairly fresh. I mean, that's, that's kind of what we've, what we've seen with, uh, with them that seems like the, the worst condition they are from a carbon buildup standpoint. Um, it's not necessarily a, a bad thing, I guess kind of indicates that it had a very easy early life because um, I mean the, the harder the, the harder it's driven the the less the, the less the buildup it is I mean it so it's as non-intuitive as it seems there uh, seems like the ones that are grocery getters are kind of the problematic ones <laughs> so this this next question, I think you I think you touched on it in the beginning with the gear ranges, but the person had asked what year engine code is best for power and reliability, which would go back to that you know two thousand nine to eleven car, maybe into the twelve with the X five. Um, but just to touch a little bit on the four cylinder ones, is the performance potential just entirely different with those versus the three liter inline six? Yeah, I mean it's yeah, I mean it's definitely it's a smaller displacement four cylinder. Um, I mean. I don't think they're they're not they're not bad they're not bad engines at all. I mean they're they're going to be good good reliable, um, reliable engines. Good commuter car. Um, it's just they're not going to have the power potential that uh, the three liter inline six is going to have. Um, and they're still I mean they're still newer. They're 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 more expensive. Um, so at this point, there's there's not as many people. Uh, really tearing into them and, 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 and trying to make a bunch of power with them. Um, so I would say at, at this point, if, uh, if I was to recommend a year range for, for people to, to look at, or wanted to get into something, uh, fairly cost effective for the performance side of things. I mean, the 09, 10, 11, uh, 335D is definitely, definitely what I would recommend starting with. I mean, a, they're going to be much more cost effective and, um, and have about much better, um, potential as far as power output. Um, and there's more available for them. Um, there's some, the, the newer ones have CP4 injection pumps as, as opposed to the, 
much more proven CP3s. So that's actually some, something on our to-do list is uh, a CP3 conversion for the uh, newer platforms that have the CP4s. So we had quite a few requests for that in the past past few months. So definitely something that's it's also something that's needed and, and people are starting to want to push them a bit more and, and looking for options. So that's, that's good that, uh, I mean, it's, it sucks that they don't make the, the three liter inline six anymore in the, in the sedans, but at least they still make something. I mean, and, and you can, you can still get the, the, the X five, uh, with the six cylinder. So, there's there's still hope. I mean, there's uh there's a little a little bit depressing that they don't have anywhere near the uh, diesel market that like the European countries have. There's tons of options for every every uh, make and model over there, but we're it's kind of slim pickings over here. So work working with what we got. This other question we got it it goes back to your your setup on your car. And the person that said, what are you going to do about the back pressure in the manifold? And I know you touched on that a little bit with that's the next step you're taking. Um, but I wanted to ask you a little bit more about, and this would apply even to you know, Cummins trucks or any, really any diesel vehicle, is how that, how being able to control that helps with power. Yeah, so it's, uh, that's definitely a good point. Um, you absolutely have to, be able to address the uh, exhaust pressure. I mean, and we naturally, we tried to see how far we could push it. And we made in the 600 horsepower range with absolutely no uh, external waste gating around the factory turbos, just adding the additional third turbo and compound. Um, but we were definitely, we were hitting a exhaust pressure limit. That was definitely the, the restricting aspect for us. Um, so then we built an external wastegate setup, um, have it tied back um, electronically controlled by the ECM to work in um, kind of work seamlessly with the factory uh, control system for the bypass valve and changeover on the hot and cold side of the uh, the stock turbos. So you definitely got to make sure everything. Uh, is, is working seamlessly together. Um, you're not going to have any any strange uh, power power ranges or, or RPMs where it uh, just you know want uh, you want a very seamless changeover. Obviously, um, so we've been able to use the factory manifold um, and the uh, EGR port uh, coming off the front. So we're feeding that to an external wastegate and controlling that electronically. So it's uh that's that's working out really well and we're still kind of dialing things in with that um but we'll be posting some some results from that uh here shortly and hopefully i'll plan on having the car out that um rudy's for the uh outlaw diesel super series coming up here uh soon as well as um local event uh, truck war, truck wars here in North Carolina. So that should be should be a good time. We'll get to kind uh, of debut things, and that'll be the first 
first time we've had the car out at the uh, at any 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 events with the the new triple setup. So pretty pretty excited about that. That was going to be the next the next thing I asked you is, you know, people are listening like, well, I want to see this thousand horsepower BMW. Is is where where can they find your updates and stuff like that on social media or um, website or anything like that for us to see, you know, what the car is doing and then, you know, just see as things progress. Maybe it's it's even with you know some other BMW diesels or other things that you guys are doing. I think uh, search on uh, on Facebook and Instagram at uh, Sancho Performance Development. Um, and try to try to keep, uh, we're not as active as I would like to be on there, but we try to at least keep, uh, keep some somewhat regular updates and we'll definitely try to get some more information up here on the triple turbos here, here soon. We've been, uh, pretty quiet about them, trying to just focus on development and, and making progress, but we'll be posting some stuff here, here soon. I know we've got quite a few, quite a few guys itching to, see some results and get on the pre-orders list. So it's uh, been, been pretty exciting. Definitely ready to get it out there and build a few more kits for, uh, for some customers. So they're pretty cool. It's always really fun to chat with you, Matt, and learn uh, learn more about what you're working on. And, and then also, you know, just stay on top of that 47, 48RE input shaft, which for well over a decade was sort of the, the, the issue with those things is at a certain power level, just, you know, they're being kind of hit and miss reliability. And whereas now it's like, there's a solution and there's tons of people running them. So it's uh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. And, you know, you inspired me to, you know, kind of <laughs> look out there and, and, you know, think about something like this. And it's just, it's really appealing. And over the years, people have asked us to do, you know, episodes on diesels other than what's in a pickup truck and, once I saw the performance potential and the things that are out there, I'm like, man, I got to get mad on to talk about this, this platform. Yeah, no, I, I see, definitely appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you having me on. It's been really good talking to you and uh, definitely keep you up to date and maybe you'll end up uh, picking up a diesel, diesel BMW here soon. And you seemed like you were showing a little bit of interest last time we talked. So <laughs> you'll see me on a pre-order uh, list for something. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully, I've influenced you a little bit. Make some, make some, uh, some hasty decisions and get one, uh, get one picked up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to YouTube and search the Diesel Podcast and subscribe to our channel there. You'll get our episodes first. There's also exclusive content that's there and a lot of great information that's in the comment sections. And if you have an idea for a show, feel free to leave it on any one of our episodes. Let us know what you'd like to hear, and we'll get that episode going for you guys. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.